Dublin's Talking Sport with Ken Doherty and Reggie Corrigan. Sponsored by insuremycars.ie, low-cost car insurance specialists. See how much you can save at insuremycars.ie. On Sunshine 106.8. Sunshine 106.8. Sunshine 106.8 Dublin's Talking Sport Welcome to Dublin's Talking Sports Podcast with me, Ken Doherty, and my good friend, Reggie Corrigan. Thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GAA, football, rugby, and all the crack. Enjoy the show, and don't forget, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. I'm very well. I have to say, I'm in these swanky new studios. Our listeners probably will have noticed that we weren't on air last week. Uh, there's a big move into a new studio here in Sunshine, and I'm surrounded, Ken, by buttons everywhere, lights, uh, stuff flashing at me. It's all a bit confusing, but we'll try and get through it as best we can. But I have to say, a magnificent setup. Yeah, I sure am. Never, ne- never better. Uh, I have to say, never better. But uh, yeah, how's life been with you? Everything is good. Yeah, I'm just back from Spain and looking forward to coming back to Dublin next week. Playing a bit of golf and uh, looking forward to taking you on and taking a few quid off you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, best of luck with that. Now, I played myself yesterday. I didn't play badly at all. So uh, you're, you're going to have your work cut out. But um, I'll be making sure you cut a few strokes off that dodgy handicap of yours anyway. Oh. Hopefully we see a bit of, a bit of sunshine now over the next few weeks. You know? it's, it's supposed to brighten up. It's supposed to brighten up, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the calendar here. The British Open qualifiers are starting next week, is that right? Yeah, playing on Monday uh, playing on Monday night uh, against Alfie Borden, so it starts. And, of course, it comes on our TV screens on ITV at the end of September. Right. And the, the last match I qualified for uh, was uh, for the European Masters, which has been held in Nuremberg. So I'll be off on the 20th, which is uh, 20th of August, and that starts on the 22nd. 22nd. So, yeah, looking forward to that. And how, how's the season shaping up? Um, you know, starting. there's plenty. I mean, just, yeah, I mean, it's just starting. These are the first qualifiers. That European was the first one. Uh, this will be the second one, the British Open. Then the lads will be... Uh, out in Shanghai. The Shanghai Masters back. Of course, China is back. We've got Shanghai, the International, and we'll have, believe it or not. You know, we've got <laughs> China opens up and we have a tournament and we'll have. Absolutely, so, of course. Uh, that yeah, makes sense. It's great, but it's great for the whole tour that the uh, three tournaments, the three really big tournaments are back in uh, and back in China and hopefully there'll be a few more. The World Cup, of course, will be out there. I know we're going to be chatting about the Rugby World Cup, but our Snooker World Cup will be probably out there next season, maybe, you know, with a bit of luck and maybe another one or two more. So, yeah, it's looking good for, for Snooker, and particularly that, you know, China is open back up again. I see uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan and Ali Carter could be kind of opening up that, that old rivalry they have going in Shanghai as well, and um, Luca yeah. Purcell is a tough test as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, for Luca Purcell this year. You know, I mean, after that wonderful you know, world championship, the way he just grabbed it by the scruff of the neck, you know, knocked out O'Sullivan, came back from that, you know, what was it, 14-5 down in the semi-final, and mm. then beating Selby over, you know, four sessions, four-time world champion Selby, you know, nobody would have given him a chance, but it was fantastic, great, great fresh year. And now it's the interesting thing, is how he's going to handle it. Uh, being world champion, you know, he'd be seated too for every event except the world championship. And uh, how he's going to sort of... Ha- he went out and bought a Ferrari the minute he won the World <laughs> Championship as soon as he got back. 
to Belgium. I see he's in Dubai, he's been in Shanghai, he's been in Hong Kong, you know, but he, he seems to be enjoying his life. Um, it's going to be an interesting question to see how he's going to cope with the, the, the sort of the, the weight of being a world champion throughout the season. But I think he's a young lad, he's bred of fresh air, and I hope he, he, he does it and continues to, to play really well this season. And Ken, you know, from your time as world champion mm. to, to to today, I mean, is it like winning the Rose of Tralee? Are you pr- pretty much gone uh, everywhere at every opening of an envelope, corporate events, that type of stuff, exhibition, exhibition matches? Is it uh, moved on a lot since your day? Well, I think it's moved on a bit. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more tournaments now. So, he, you know, he'll probably have to watch his time. But yeah, I mean, I was at the opening of an envelope with the cup. Yeah. Why wouldn't I be? Absolutely. <laughs> I remember Bridge, you know, getting invited out to Crow Park and Lansdowne Road for a World Cup qualifier. And then, of course, over to uh, Celtic Park. And the, the biggest one was obviously Old Trafford as well, mm. which was amazing. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what he's going to do with his time. But he, he could do with somebody in his corner, you know, helping him and talking to him and trying to manage his time better because the snooker season is quite long. It's going to be very demanding. And there's going to be extra pressure on him now because now he's a target, Reg. You know? yeah. So it'll be uh, that that would be hard to cope with. But uh, yeah, he could do with uh, you know some really good advice and good. good he's got good family, his mum and dad are around him. But he needs some sort of a team around him that he, that can manage his time better. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'd say, uh, obviously, in, in snooker, it's all about practice and training. In any game, it's all about that. And if you took your eye off the ball and that, they'll all be out to get him, as you said, to knock absolutely. the world champion. So. Uh, He'd probably need to get into that practice room a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, he said he, you know, before the World Championship, he didn't practice much at all. You mm. know? And uh, but it seemed to work for him. But you couldn't do that throughout the season. I don't think that's possible. You no, know, that might be just a one-off. Uh, you know, the game is too difficult, and once the pressure comes on, it makes it even more difficult. But uh, yeah, I think you'll have to, you know, spend a bit of time on the practice table and. Take the Ferrari out a weekend, <laughs> Yeah, I think so. He probably can't afford the petrol in it, so he'd have to. <laughs> I know uh, you're big into the golf as well, and uh, we're watching the background, but I thought it was great crack during the week looking at Rory. Uh, this, I can't wait to read this book about Mickelson and all the gambling revelations that are coming out, and uh, Rory and himself are having a nice little spat. Rory coming out during the week saying, well, at least he can bet in the Ryder Cup. And uh, Mickelson, I saw this morning, coming out and saying, well... Um, yeah, I think I'll put a bet on Rory not winning any of his matches and ended up crying <laughs> like he did after the last one. So, oh, the, really? Yeah, the swords are out. The swords are out. Well, there was one great book I read. Uh, I, I think it was the, the Hank Haney book uh, about Tiger Woods and, and he sort of touched on Mickelson, uh, you know, playing in some tournaments and checking his phone, going to the bathroom, checking his phone about some of the, you know, the NFL scores that were going on, the bets that he was he was running at the time. Yeah. So uh, he had a huge gambling addiction. I mean, you reckon he may have punted over $1 billion in, in different bets over the years, would you believe, you know? Yeah. And that's why he booked to live money to get himself uh, out of jail, basically. And, uh, you know, back in, back in the... Back in the uh, black, as opposed mm. to uh, But uh, yeah, but it'll be interesting to see what comes out. But it, you know, it's nice to have a little bit of rivalry, a little bit of spat between the two of them, and it, it sort of spices up a bit of the the Ryder Cup and and any time they may meet in the future. Yeah, absolutely. No, there's no doubt about it. It's going to be a very interesting read. Uh, like like you, I was reading a couple of extracts coming out um, from it, and they were just talking about <clears throat> a trip to Vegas where he invited a whole load of the NFL and NBA players, and they were all in a big suite in Vegas and uh, partying hard 
but but uh, when Mickelson went down and put the bets on the NFL, he had a sheet of all the games and everything laid out, and yeah. he put it down. The whole line across Vegas spread uh, changed, and they were just saying for that level of change, the money that had to go on would have been off the charts. So it's going to make some interesting reading, all right, because I don't think we're talking about a, a five euro uh, accumulator. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I don't know whether you check in on George McDonough's... Uh, yeah, you know, the lucky 15. He probably should do, because George has been giving us a lot of winners over Absolutely. Uh, over the last couple of years. But, He'd do uh, better. Now, yeah, huge, huge, uh, huge money uh, transferred. And uh, yeah, I think that, that live, you know, bonus for him came around at the right time. Mm. Yeah. Just, it's just uh, when you go back to John Daly's time with the, with the Callaway deal, you know, he was he was in for like twenty million into Vegas and some of the casinos, and and Callaway bailed him out with a big deal for forty million and got him back on track. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, it'll be it'll be worth watching. No question about it. See it unfold. See if you can hang on to it. Uh, Look, we're we're back. It's hard to believe Premier season. I know. I was uh, playing golf with um Connor Hearn, he's a young Wexford hurler yesterday, uh, good golfer too, and a Madman United fan, and he's very giddy about this season, thinks this is going to be a great season for United, some interesting signings, and uh, on the back of last season, I suppose there's reason to be optimistic? Yeah, definitely, yeah. You know, the goalkeeper m- might make a big addition, okay? I'm, I'm sorry to see the hair go, to be honest. Yeah. You know, he's made a few mistakes last year, but he's still a great shot stopper. Uh, but this new guy, Anana, you know, yeah. seems to play the ball out, very, very confident with the ball at his feet. And that's what Ten Hag wanted. Uh, of course, we've got the, the Hoyle, Rasmus Hoyland as if the forward. He's not going to be able to play the first couple of games. He's still injured. And Mason Mount. Mason Mount, yeah. Maybe one more midfielder. They're looking at that lad, uh, the Moroccan player, who played really well at the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, maybe to bring him in at the last minute. But it looks like Maguire has gone to West Ham, 30 million. Yeah. Um, you know, the United fans were never happy with him. He, he's had a disastrous time, really, at United. You know, he was United captain, but the last couple of seasons, and particularly last season, was it would have been a disaster for him and embarrassing for him. And he had to move, I think, just to, you know, to keep his place in the England squad. Yeah. And for his own health as well, Ken. He couldn't put yeah. up with that kind of abuse week in, week out. I know. Um, you know, I felt I felt very sorry for him towards the end. I, I mean, well, you know, he seems a good lad, but just like lacking the confidence, you know. Yeah, yeah, and people get a run like that, and, and it can happen. And the other Harry, um, Harry Kane, of course, uh, reading the latest news, they're saying last night now that he got on a plane to go over and fulfil his medical, even though the the, the talk with Spurs yeah. was that it's not a done deal. But then there was rumours that they stopped him going for the medical. Then they've come out and denied that he did go for his medical. So it's yeah. it's a strange one, and it's a bit all over the place still. Yeah, very strange one. You know, he, he was a player. I think that you know, it's, I mean, they spent seventy million on um, this Highland. I think um, you know, going the extra twenty or thirty million for for Kane would have been a big, big, big signing. You know, I I don't understand this uh, Reg for for uh, Harry Kane going to Bayern. I mean, what are he, what's he going to achieve? They won the, the the league title there the last eleven seasons in a row. Mm. You know, they'll have a chance, of course, in the Champions League, but I think they still might be a little bit short. But Kane will be a great addition for them, there's no doubt about that. You know, he's a fantastic player, one of the best strikers that has ever played in the Premiership. He's 40 goals or something like short of, of Alan Shearer's record in the Premiership. 
it would have been a great legacy for him to leave. Another couple of seasons, he would have overcome that for sure. Next year, he would have been a free agent. He could have walked into any team anywhere in the world, uh, and particularly any any of the ones in uh, in the Premiership. You know, it would have been Chelsea. He could have gone to uh, anywhere. It would have taken him, to be honest. You know, uh, yeah. Bayern Munich. I, I just don't understand it. To be honest, do you think is there any chance it's a game of chicken, and he's waiting for them to maybe come in for a last minute and just stop it or? Well, I don't know who can afford him now in the partnership, yeah. you know, for that type of money. Uh, or does he see out his Tottenham contract and then just walk as a free agent? Daniel Levy wouldn't like that. Mm. Uh, and it would cost him £100 million. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he's still, what is he, 30? He's still, he's still got another, you know, three or four good years out of him. Uh, without he's not, he's not one of those players that is prone to injury, and he's a very clever player. Uh, uh, so his body is not, you know, is in good shape. And, uh, you know, he's, de- he's definitely got another four years left in him. So I would mm. say, you know, he, he could have waited out, I think, you know. Yeah, City uh, didn't, you know, Kovacic, not a bad signing for them. Nothing, uh, like, crazy in terms of signings. I suppose they didn't really need to make any. Um, looking as solid as ever. Not really a whole lot more I need to know about them, just no. that they're... <laughs> <laughs> they're they're a machine. Wants to be, aren't they? The yeah. machine rolls on, yeah. And Harlan, another a beast. I mean, he's just a freak of nature. That guy, so strong and you know so clever around the box as well. He's he's gonna he's gonna score an awful lot of goals this year. Unfortunately for the rest of the team, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, good to see Bournemouth though back in the membership. Absolutely. Um, Hopefully he's going to be a top manager, I think, you know. I saw um, Alan Cawley was tweeting during the week about the documentary that's on Sky. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm looking forward to seeing mm. it about He said it's a great documentary on Burnley, so it'll be it'll be a good one to look at. And I suppose the team that'll probably have arguably the most pressure on them this season would be Liverpool, you'd imagine. They, um, they, yeah. they, they've really underperformed uh, last year and uh, Klopp even being there. I, I think there's a huge amount of pressure on Liverpool to, to get some results this year. Yeah, exactly. And they've been in for this uh, casino from Brighton. 111 million they bid for him. Yeah. And uh, it looks like he's torn. He agreed to go and then and then he did a youth torn and it looks like he, he's agreed to go um, to Chelsea. So that's a little bit of embarrassment for for Liverpool and, and Liverpool fans. They'll be they'll be gutted about that because he's a really really top player. Hmm. He was bought for Brighton, bought him for four and a half million. Uh, he's from Ecuador. He bought him for four and a half million, and uh, it looks like he's going to go for over one hundred and eleven million now. You know, so uh, yeah, it'd be a big disappointment for Liverpool. It's one that they probably needed because they've they've lost uh, Fabinho and lost the Henderson, of course, Milner. Alan Oxlade Chamberlain as well, all midfielders in the in the Liverpool uh, midfield line. So they really need a good, really good sort of um, you know defender mid midfield player, and he was one of the best in the in the in the, in the uh, Premiership. Hmm. So uh, him to turn them down is, is quite embarrassing. You know? Quite a blow. I suppose we finish up just. Yeah, I see uh, Mikel Arteta. He's now the Premier League's fourth longest serving manager. So uh, squads <laughs> looking good. Declan Rice. I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know how you know how he'll fit in, how quickly he'll fit in. Should I say? But uh, yeah, you have to say a great addition to the to the team and Havertz yeah. as well. So probably the strongest uh, squad we've had for many a year. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, you must be quite optimistic as mm. an Arsenal fan, are you? I mean, uh, well, last year was uh, looking so good, but uh, as we discussed many times on the show, the squad depth was always going to be the question and whether or not they could yeah. get it across. And they couldn't ultimately keep up that the, the level that they were wanted. But you'd yeah. imagine with those signings um, and Timber as well, you, you, you might have the squad there now to do it. Yeah, the, the, the funny one for me is that Havertz, you know, Kyle mm. Havertz from Chelsea is a centre forward. Didn't really do that. And, uh, with 65 Chelsea. million, he did enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he didn't score many goals. Yeah. Right? He doesn't look like a very prolific sort of centre forward. Now. Mm. But Arteta obviously saw something in him. And, uh, yeah, so whether he will make a big difference. But I think Rice is without doubt. I mean, he's a class player. Yeah. And when you go back to the time when, you know, Ireland could have given him a, a, a full international cap and he, he would have been playing for Ireland. He couldn't have gone to play for England. That would have been a big difference for our, for our country and for our side. But, uh, yeah, what a classy player he is. Brilliant player. Absolutely. He'll be, a big, he'll be a big plus to uh, Arsenal, no doubt. Excellent. OK, well, look, uh, good chatting to you, but you're going to come back again uh, just after 9 o'clock. Welcome back to Dublin's Talking Sport on Sunshine 106.8 with thanks to insuremyvan.ie. Yes, Declan Drake on GAA with you. Another extremely busy section indeed to get through this morning. Coming up, a look back at Sunday, July the 30th, the day Dublin won their 31st All-Ireland Senior Football Championship title. Midfield Colossus from Rohini, Brian Fenton and I had a chat post-match. That's coming your way shortly. Tomorrow is the turn of the ladies, the TG Carr All-Ireland Final between the same two teams as in the men's. Dublin and Kerry takes place at Krog Park from 4 o'clock. Ace Nafina star Hannah Tyrrell and I sat down for a chat during the week and we'll bring you that as well this morning. And then a review of the opening round of games in the go-ahead Dublin Senior 1 Football Championship and where you can catch the action taking place this evening. So let's get straight into it. Dublin All-Ireland Champions thanks to their 115-113 to success over Kerry at Croke Park a fortnight ago. Late points from Paul Mannion of All-Ireland Club Champions Kilmacud Croaks and Dean Rock of Ballymont Kickhams ensuring a superb win. An historic day too for three of our veterans, Stephen Cluxton, goalkeeper of Parnells, full-back Michael Fitzsimons of Kula and skipper James McCarthy of Ballymont Kickhams as they all claimed their ninth Celtic cross. So well done to the three of them in particular and well done to the group as well on a fantastic victory on the day. Well, as mentioned earlier on, I caught up with uh, Rahini's uh, Brian Fenton in the tunnel post-match. The six in a row was achieved in front of nobody here back in 2020. It was the eeriest night of my life, probably yours too. You actually played yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was fortunate yeah, yeah. enough, I was. But it's very fortunate to be here today to see a stirring win for Dublin in the end. Magnificent day all round. Ah, yeah, it's like, I don't know. I am probably at a stage in my career where I thought those days might have been gone. It's, you know, I, I don't openly admit that, but we had some unbelievable days and we were very lucky and very fortunate. And uh, the last two years just hadn't looked the same or for whatever reason. So to get back up them steps genuinely today is the best feeling I've ever had in my life and genuinely the sweetest of all my All-Irelands. I'm lucky to even say that, but... Um, the sweetest of the ball, absolutely. I was saying to Dean there earlier on that you know last year coming out here narrow reversal against Kerry in an Ireland semi-final and facing into Division Two of the National League, things didn't look overly bright. Would Desi stay? Would he go? Would the veterans, with all due respect, uh, stay on? And they all did. And here you are with Sam McGuire twelve months later. Remarkable. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, 
Yeah, and credit to Desi, and you know we owe him a, a huge amount because he probably took a lot of the flack for for our performances and for our standards that we said. And look, we only had ourselves to blame. We were relegated from the league, as he said. So um, no one to blame but ourselves. But Desi was the front face of that. And uh, look, we we owed him an awful lot, I think, tonight or this evening. And um, I hope he can enjoy it as much as we can. I mean, a lot of people have written off this team. It couldn't happen. Kerry were this, that and the other. David Clifford was this, that and the other. And what about yeah. the performance of Mickford Simons on him today, winning his ninth All-Ireland medal and did it in some style too. Alongside yeah. James, it must be said, of course, and uh, Stephen Cluxton as well, of course. Yeah. Um, no, look, like, a lot of people have written us off. Experts all over the place and people who think they <laughs> predict things correctly. Look, uh, we don't read too much into the media, but uh, when we... Uh, <coughs> sorry, the Kerry bus is parking past me there, so it's a bit awkward. But... Um, Look, we, uh, it's, um, yeah, look, as I said, a lot of people have written us off for the last two years. And as I said, we had our, only ourselves to blame. We were relegated from the league. We were playing poorly. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think it makes it all the sweeter, to be totally honest with you. Well, when it comes to resilience, character and strength of it, that team and that squad has it in bucket loads. Yeah, it's probably just encapsulated by, by Macker, James McCarthy. Um, he was just our, our, our war hero. We call him the war horse behind the scenes. But our war hero, our, you know, the, the capstone to our whole team, and he drove it on from the front. I'm, I'm genuinely just lucky to play with him. I'm genuinely just lucky to play with Stephen Cluxon. I'm genuinely lucky to play with Mick Fitzsimons. Uh, it's, you know, even talking to you now, I'm getting emotional just yeah. thinking about it, you know. I'm looking here in the, in the tunnel at Dean Rock, and... Uh, he looks as young as ever, yeah, you know. So yeah. he'd definitely go one more yeah. year, I'd say. I say you got an invite to the wedding, did you? Uh, yeah, we're we're going to Dean's wedding in uh, in two weeks' time. I can't make the stag, unfortunately. That's probably I'm better off, to be honest with you. Yeah. But uh, but I'll tell yeah, you one look. thing, because Trevor couldn't cross. It's just as well didn't end in a draw today because the replay was the 12th of August. <laughs> here, here, no, here, here, and uh, I, we all have holidays booked and flights booked and everything. So uh, thankfully, there was no draws. Yeah, yeah Jesus. Thank you indeed to Brian Fenton for his precious time there post-match and uh, congratulations to him, the Dublin squad and all the management team on a fantastic All-Ireland success and special congratulations too to boss Desi Farrell on leading the county to his second All-Ireland title as Banished Door. Indeed, yesterday was a special day for a member of his squad too because uh, Dean Rock married another legend of Dublin GA in Neve McAvoy. So congratulations to Dean and Neve on their marriage. I hope everyone had a great day yesterday. Uh, best wishes to you both from us here on Dublin's Talking Sport for a long, happy and prosperous married life together. Attention now turns back to Crow Park tomorrow for the final of the TG Car All-Ireland Championship. It's the same two teams that contested the men's final in Dublin and Kerry. The Blues back looking for their first All-Ireland victory since 2020, while Kerry, well they were in the final last year, but they were beaten by the champions Mead. Earlier on in the week, I sat down with ace Nafina forward Hannah Tyrrell, who has contributed magnificently to the success so far this year in Queen's precious goal in the semi-final victory over Cork. In some year for this team, a lot of change, a lot of new girls coming into it. When the team regrouped post-Christmas to look into 2023, an All-Ireland final date um, against anybody seemed an awful long way away, considering what had happened last year. Yeah, look, I think at the start of the season, regardless of who you have in your squad, an All-Ireland final is a long, long way away. Uh, you know, you have a long league campaign and 
the provincial championships and then your All Ireland championships. But yeah, for us, look, we were in a period of transition, lost a couple of very experienced players, um, and we had a lot of youngsters come through. But in fairness to those girls, uh, those younger girls, they've been mentored really well and they've put the work in and um, got a lot of minutes under their belt throughout the year, and they've really stepped up and and uh, you know it's been fantastic for them and, and really really good for us and they're pivotal pivotal members of our team now. I mean the league record shows just how much things had gelled for the group you won five of your seven games only beaten by the two teams that went to the final as Mick was saying earlier and there was a few harsh lessons perhaps along the way as well but after that campaign you were in a very good place coming into the championship yeah we use the league I suppose as as, uh, an opportunity for players to you know show what they can do for us and try and earn a jersey and definitely a lot of them stepped up and did that but um, we gave a lot of players minutes and uh, we had some really good wins in that but as you said a couple of tough defeats that we took a lot of learnings from and uh, were able to use them kind of as we went through the year and we just started to build on that and now we have girls who are experienced right across the board um, and those younger girls really stepped up and we're in an All-Ireland final and it's just an incredible feeling I can you know for me to be returning back there and and bringing these younger girls along it's it's really special Twice you've played Kerry this year twice they've come out on top most recently at Parnell Park in the round robin of of the All-Ireland series so what what lessons have been learned from particularly the, the last game against them yeah, look, um, there's no doubt that Kerry are a really tough team. There's some fantastic players in, in uh, their squad, you know, and uh, we've a task ahead of us to, um, you know, get one over on them in the final. But we know that we're working towards something really special um, and that we have the capabilities there and we just need to put in performances because that's what it's all about on the big day. So, um, look, we'll take learnings from that game and we'll go in with our own game plan and... Uh, yet hopefully it works out for us certainly put to bed a lot of ghosts from last year with the victory over Donegal in the quarter final you know because they beat me in league and championship last year as well yeah look obviously after that game um, probably a mixture of relief and delight I suppose uh, as you mentioned 2022 didn't work out as planned for us um, and we went out at a very early stage uh, in the year and that was quite disappointing for us and it was nice to to get that victory over them and, and to go up there and do it and um, you know put that scoreline on it over a, a tough Donegal team with some fantastic players um, it was great for the team but you know you win nothing at the quarterfinal stage and so we just took that in and, and built for Cork then the semi-final and, and took them on and we'll do the same for Kerry and semi-finals of course as we all know are all about winning and you did that night particularly well in Semple Stadium in Thurless and uh, you got a goal as well eventually it must be said but it was, it was well allowed um, the buzz about coming back from Thurless that night must have been just brilliant on, on the buzz Yeah, look, as I said, we have a really young squad. A lot of girls, um, you know, hadn't been in that situation before, but um, we were up against a very strong Cork team and they they really put it up to us at times. And I thought we were really composed uh, and did a good job over the the 60 minutes. And uh, we got over the line and it's fantastic to be in an All-Ireland final. Everybody wants to be there at the end of the year. And um, we're very... Uh, you know we're very happy to be there but the job's not done yet The men of course had an epic battle last week and a lot of the talk beforehand was about David Clifford and the influence he may or may not have had on the game thankfully from a Dublin perspective it wasn't that great but the ladies are a similar situation with Louise and Murahertic shot the lights out against Mayo last week in in Turles but I suppose the feeling is that there's a lot more to carry than, than, than perhaps her 
Yeah, look, obviously she's a fantastic player, but I think we'd be doing a disservice to the rest of that Kerry squad if we were to say that, you know, it's just her that we have to worry about. They've some fantastic players all over the park, um, you know, and that we know that there's more than one avenue that we have to shut down. Um, but we're focusing on us and our performances. Um, you know, we have equally some fantastic players in our squad that are well able to shoot the lights out. Um, so it's going to be a fantastic battle of front football. Um, you know, and uh, I'm just, I'm really looking forward to it. Jen Dunn, all in all, as you say, there are many players all, all over the pitch, but you, in your couple of years now with the team, um, the experience that you've garnered in that period, guiding these young players, this playing in an All-Ireland final is a daunting experience, so they're going to need a, a little hand around the shoulder or whatever just to help them through the occasion. Yeah, uh, I'm lucky enough. I've played in Crow Park a couple of times before and I've been there on All-Ireland Final Day and I think the, the good thing about our team is that we've plenty of players who've been in the same position as me so we have plenty of experience to be able to share and um, divvy out that to some of the younger girls but these younger girls coming through, you know, nothing really phases them and they're just really looking forward to the challenge and getting out there. Um, this squad just loves to play football and we get another opportunity to do that next weekend. Do you find the week of an All-Ireland final does a drag? I mean, everyone you meet wants to talk about the game, family, friends and whatnot. How, how, how do you cope with, with the, the week leading into such a big game? Um, for me, I just try to focus on preparations, taking it day by day, you know, uh, gearing up to each and every training and trying to get things right. Um, you know, just keeping the one percenters going, making sure I'm eating right, sleeping right, um, you know, and just ticking things over and, uh, in the build-up to it and trying to soak in and enjoy it all while not letting it overwhelm me too much and kind of drain me a little bit. Finally, t- we're talking to you here tonight, not too far from your, your new home in the Moby Road, of course, with Nafina, who contributed so brilliantly to the men's success last week as well. It'd be a very nice feeling to bring the Brendan Martin Cup back there in the early part of next week, wouldn't it? Yeah, of course. Like, obviously, we're going out in this All-Ireland final to win. Um, you know, that's been the aim since the start of the year and uh, we're at the final stage of it now. And of course, look, just to get your hands on the cup is, is something that every player who puts on an inter-county jersey dreams of. Um, you know, I'm no different and I'm hoping that that's the way it goes next weekend. And it's occasions like Sunday week that you came back to Gaelic football uh, too from rugby, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I came back to Dublin to show that I'm capable of playing at this level but I came back to win a senior All-Ireland as well um, as I said hopefully that's put to bed uh, next weekend Thanks. It's been some year for the girls so far, some journey and hopefully tomorrow evening at Croke Park it can end in the ultimate success of uh, bringing the Brendan Martin Cup back to the capital. We wish them every success in their bid to do that and we will have full post-match reaction on the programme here next Saturday. Finally on GAA with Declan Drake this week, they go ahead one senior football championship got underway with three games on Wednesday night. Ballantyre St. John's were 4-8 to 3-14 winners over Temple Oak Sing Street. Uh, Ballyboden St. Enders beat Ballymun Kickhams 116 to 111. While in Group 2, Castlenock proved too strong for Scarry's Harps. 217 to 112 is how that finished. Four more games today in Group 3. Thomas Davis take on Luke and Sarsfields at O'Toole Park from 3.30. Meanwhile, uh, also at the Crumlin venue from 5.30, it's Kula versus is Rohini. Two games on the opposite side of the river at County Headquarters this afternoon as well. Nafina and St Jude's going head-to-head from 3.30 while defending Dublin, Leinster and All-Ireland club champions Kilmacud Croaks play their first championship game of the new season when they take on St Sylvester's from 5.30. Yeah, I'm delighted to be back. And, uh, <laughs> as I said, I'm sure you're very excited about uh, 
Ireland's chances in the impending World Cup. It's only a few weeks away now, and uh, yeah, it should be very exciting, Reg. Yeah, I thought it was important that we kind of um, preview it a little bit. We have a few weeks to go. We haven't finalised our squad yet. I think a lot of people have made their minds up on a, a few bits and pieces, but uh, a lot of teams now starting to make their minds up, cover and make announcements, a few shocks and surprises around different teams and squads. Um, but I have to say, Ken, in all the years of covering World Cups and looking at them and being in them, and I, I don't think there's ever been a more open World Cup. Um, that might surprise some people to hear, but there really are about uh, six to eight teams that could that could go and win it. And um, with us being ranked number one, we could be one of them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, I mean, you know, over the last couple of seasons, particularly last year, the way Ireland have played, they have to be full of confidence. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, they've had some great wins. In preparation as well. And, and uh, yeah, you know, you'd have to fancy them. Now, the only thing is, is, of course, that weight of uh, being world number one and the expectation may be greater. Uh, how will that play on the team? But I, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be able to handle it very, very well. But, I mean... You're the expert, Reg. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with you. They, they've never, they've never seemed to um, balk from that responsibility of being the favourites. They certainly gone into the Six Nations. They were favourites, and they carried that very admirably on their shoulders and got the job done. Um, never had. In, they're playing a fantastic brand of rugby. There's no question about it. It's an exciting brand of rugby. Uh, I don't think we've ever had stronger squad right across the board I think they're looking really really well um, there's the age old excuse the pun on age but there is the age old question around the 10 and Johnny Sexton and how he'll be at 38 years of age um, that that we can keep him injury free because he is absolutely crucial to it being a good World Cup um, you know we've got some great young players coming in in that position but they just have enough experience at this stage so we, we do rely on that so we, we we look good but there are a few provisos and the other thing I suppose to worry about is that having been so good in the Six Nations teams work you out you know they do yeah, they, they, yeah, yeah. They, they find ways of of uh, dissecting you and un, 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 uncoupling you a little bit and I think that's what some of them will have been done so we need to have a few things up our sleeve I think yeah absolutely Yeah, I mean the dangers will be obviously the likes of I think New Zealand that would be a huge danger and even South Africa I mean the South Africa we're in, we're in a, the group with of course South Africa and Scotland I don't think Scotland will be that much of a trouble to Ireland and Oh, I don't know, Ken. Don't know at all. I think they're yeah, going to be a bit I mean, of a. They're going to be a lot harder than people think. They beat um, uh, France last week, albeit now France weren't uh, like it was an experimental French side, let's say, and they were being hammered at half time. But they managed to come back and get the job done uh, and win by a point. But Scotland have always been a bit of a bogey team for Ireland. Um, certainly, even going back to my day, they can throw a spanner in the works, and they're they're ranked fifth in the world now. They've they've yeah. really gone up and. And they're they're a good side. Uh, Townsend has them in 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 good place compared to where they had been for a number of years. Uh, certainly, if you compared the, some, them to somewhere like Wales, for example, um, and then they're in our group, so they they'll beat Tonga, they'll beat Romania. Uh, we're in an incredibly tough group. There's no question about it, uh, because Scotland and South Africa are two teams that that could do a job on us um, if we if we're not completely lined up. Now, don't get me wrong. I would still rank us as absolute favourites against Scotland. There's no question yeah, yeah. about that. But we have to be very, very careful against them. They're a dodgy team. 
Yeah, well, I don't think they'd be taken for granted. They know, you know, Ireland will know they're, they're, they they are a tough team. They're going to be it's going to be a tough opponent, but yeah. I just think they have too much in the tank for them. You know, yeah. our squad is much bigger, uh, better players, and and just on the back of as I said this last season, and you know, I, I just think they'll have too much. I think more that the South Africans will be a bigger danger for sure. You know. Yeah, there's uh, there's no question that uh, as you look at it, South Africa would be the side that they probably would be fearing that little bit more. Mm. I don't know what to make of South Africa. Uh, you know, they didn't really perform great in the championship. Um, they got a good win against Australia, but they were beaten by New Zealand um, and they only barely beat Argentina. They kind of have a bit of a mixed batch in their squad they're a team that can they can blow hot and cold as well they can be absolutely brilliant and then they can go out and they can just be kind of you know half half together and a little bit all over the place so there's no doubt that come World Cup time they'll be uh, quite more fluid I suppose that the likes of Evan Edsbet there the um, you know 31 year old he's a monster of a man and a crucial, crucial player for them um, yeah. and he's a bit of an enforcer so the likes of the, those players will have an influence no doubt about it but um, yeah South Africa is going to be our toughest test in that group there's no yeah, doubt about it and again you're mentioning the group from an Irish perspective that's the big thing that is the big yeah, big yeah. thing we've got such a hard run up I mean you get through that group then you're looking at New Zealand or France in a, in a quarter final yeah. uh, and then, then so it's going to be particularly hard in that sense yeah we're in a we're in a tough sort of half for the draw aren't we mm. you know, I, suppose, I suppose the worst thing you can do is, is look around at that you just got to and just from old experience in my own sport, you know, you just take each game as they come, you know, and and uh, and just uh, play it like that. Because you start looking into the draws, you know, you get carried away a little bit. You do, yeah. There's no question yeah. about it. Uh, and like I said at the at Andy the top Farrell, of the, the, yeah, I was just going to say, what do you think, Andy Farrell? Or how how will he cope with that? Or how do you think he'll he'll sort of get those players into that uh, attitude and mode? Well, I think Ireland have to look at it like this. You know, we're now the team that everybody else has to work out and beat. So you kind of, um, while you're going to be focused on the opposition that you're playing, you really have to concentrate on yourself and on your own game and how you're going to play that game and the type of game you're going to oppose on oppositions. So maybe in the past, Ireland were guilty of being a little bit defensive in how we played the game in that we were always worried about the opposition and we were worried about what they're going to do. Certainly when I would have been playing against the likes of England, South Africa, New Zealand, uh, Australia, France, you're always saying, where are their threats? What are they going to do? And maybe put too much emphasis on that instead of saying, right, well, we know what they're going to do. They're pretty good at X, Y and Z. But hang on a second, we're brilliant at uh, all of these other things. Uh, and let's let's put the pressure back on them and make them try and wor- worry about us a bit more. And I think this team seemed to have an ability to do that. This Irish team seemed to be able to go into the, the games like that. They never seem to panic. They always yeah. seem to be able to deal with stuff that's thrown at them. They react, they go behind, they come back, they win matches. So I think that's the message Andy Farrell will be giving to them. Look, um, let's let, let's do our analysis. Let's know our opposition. Yeah. Let's know what we have to do. But let's have confidence in what we're going to do as well, and in, in our ability because we're a damn good uh, rugby football team. You know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What about New Zealand, uh, Raj? I mean, they haven't had a, a great season. You know, they've had a, they've always been favourites, well, well favourites for the World Cup. But this year, mm. they'll be sort of searching for something. Won't they? They'd be lacking a little bit of confidence. You would have to feel. Well, you know. 
the, the, the New Zealand team have always been the ones that um, almost since the inception of the World Cup people have expected them to win every World Cup yeah, yeah, and they haven't yeah. done that you know because because of that pressure they haven't done that uh, and this time around I think this is in many people's minds coming into it um, maybe up to six months ago even 12 to six months ago they were kind of going it's not the New Zealand of old. It's the weakest no. side they've had for a long time, blah, blah, blah. But then the Rugby Championships comes along and you look at the All Blacks and you see them, they cruise to that. You know, they, they win their matches, big statements, uh, bonus points in two of their three matches. Um, and and you're saying, <laughs> okay, uh, we were wrong. Everybody was wrong to, 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 to maybe forget about New Zealand. They're n- number two in the world. They're still an amazing rugby country, rugby nation. Huge pride in them, and they have fantastic players. And they they can do you know they can do anything. Um, their skill levels are off the charts. Their athleticism is off the charts. So they they really can do all of that. I suppose from again, I'm thinking from our point of view as an Irish team, what we'd be doing and worrying about that is. We, we, we're now at a level where we can match that though you know in the past we probably were trailing uh, behind them in those areas but now we're matching them and in many areas surpassing them so whilst they're an amazing side and one to be feared and worried with and you're always going to be worried going into play against New Zealand um, I think we could have the measure of them if we get them if we get to that point where we have them in a quarter final for example or a semi-final as things might unfold um, but yeah they're they're They've, you would not bet, bet against them uh, lifting the trophy there's no question about that because no, they're no. New Zealand and they have some yeah, yeah. very good players especially Artie Savaid number 8 um, you know just a real operator real leader yeah yeah tell me about the uh, the home nation France I mean they're going to have to yeah, play yeah. up the country behind them but they'll have the support as well playing at home Reg I mean they will uh, incredible for them they're actually my favourites um, based on the fact that it's a home uh, World Cup. I think that we, we, you just that playing on French soil thing, it's it's so hard to explain what that means to French players and, and to the supporters and everything else. It really uh, makes a huge uh, bit of it. But they have got an amazing squad of players as well. They really, really do. Um, obviously, they've got the best number nine in the world in Antoine Dupont. He's incredible. He dictates yeah. everything that goes on in the matches. You see them going out against Scotland and they put out a second string team and you can see a good a lot of the talent that's there uh, in the back line in particular and a line in weight in the background and you kind of say to yourself oh yeah look they're, they're, they're looking like it but then they go and lose by a point to Scotland in the second half and you're kind of going well that's the French you know that's what they do they have an amazing first half blow absolutely hot and then go so cold in the second half and I think uh, for every other nation that's playing against France they are going to be up against that 16th man in, in the crowd but if they can rattle them, there's no nation like them for turning on their own for turning on their own players. Yeah, that, that's it. yeah. yeah and that's what you'll want to do. So uh, they they you know they're my favourite um, as things stand at the moment. Looking at all the teams that are in it, I have us as second favourite, but I just think France have slightly got the edge in us, and I can't wait for this Irish team to prove me wrong and and beat them. That's what I'm hoping for, obviously. But as you look at it, I think France are an, an exceptionally exceptionally strong team. The home support could be the difference, mm. all right. Yeah. yeah. What about uh, what about England? They're almost a yeah. I mean, season. I mean, what 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 sort of chances do they have? You, you you wouldn't say they're great purely no. because um, of form. 
uh, he's left out Slade, Henry Slade uh, of the squad, which is a big surprise to a lot of people. They're ranked six in the world. Um, and they just don't look coherent. They don't look like a side that are, even in their warm-up match, you know, they just don't look together. They look like a group of individuals that are trying to impress in trial matches. That's the way I see England at the moment. Yeah. They don't look like a team. Whereas the ones we mentioned already have that team ethos about them and they look like they're working for each other. I just don't feel that about this English squad at the moment. They're very capable rugby players and who knows in the World Cup they could change it all around and uh, shove it in our face. But as things stand at the minute you just don't feel that about England. I certainly don't anyway. I just I just think that they're a, a, a fantastic group of individual players but they're not a team not, as not of yet and, and they're a bit off that, you know. Yeah, what about the other rugby nation we haven't mentioned yet which is of course Australia. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, you know, Australia rugby is probably at its lowest ebb for a long time. Um, yeah, yeah. Ranked eighth in the world, they brought back Eddie Jones, which for many people is a regressive step because you just don't know what you're going to get with Jones. And I think that's been borne out a little bit this week by the fact that he's left Michael Hooper and Quade Cooper, uh, two of the most experienced Wallabies, um, the captain, Michael Hooper, out of the squad for the World Cup. He's picked a very inexperienced out half, and that's the only out half in his squad. And to me, it smacks of somebody who's trying to you know, make a statement, do something yeah. a bit off the wall so that if it works, he can be looked at being as a this genius. And genius. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I just feel it's a bit too risky. They've got brilliant players. Will Skelton um, plays for La Rochelle, giant, absolute giant of a man as well. Um, captain, you know, they have players and they they performed quite well, better than I expected in some of the games in the championship. But again, I just think that they're a little bit too young and inexperienced in the squad that they have at the moment to go uh, all the way or to, to be in real contenders. Maybe yeah. maybe in four years' time that will all change and maybe that's what Jones is thinking towards, but at the moment yeah. it's hard to see it. That's Eddie Jones all over, isn't it? Yeah. Dropping the captain for the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. What about any any surprises that may... You might you might throw in someone like... Uh, what about Argentina? Someone like that. Well, I tell you... Uh, I never forget being at the 2015 match. I was working at it, um, and they hammered us uh, in, in Cardiff. And yeah. you know that was it was a bit of, a bit of a coming of age for Argentina on the world stage. They just they really did humble us that day. Uh, and I feel with Michael Checa and Felipe Contopomi, two people that I've worked with in the past in my day. Yeah. Uh, Fantastic coaches, really, really savvy guys. Argentina are ranked seven in the world. They're a good team, but the thing I love about Argentina is they play with this sort of um, almost Latin American flair, don't care attitude, throw the ball around, try things, try things, and, and if they click and if it works, it's genius. It's beautiful to watch. It's the best rugby ever. Um, but they have, they've got some quality players, uh, Matera, you know they've got big players that can back up this type of game plan that they're trying to put in place as well so they could easily be dark horses in it they could cause a lot of upsets and a lot of surprises uh, and apart from everything else Ken the physicality they bring to the game in their forwards yeah, is unreal yeah, yeah, so yeah. whoever plays them is going to be broken up and sore the <laughs> week after and that, that will be a factor as well Yeah yeah absolutely and what about our own team Reg uh, any young lads that could really sort of uh, stamp their mark on the World Cup that could become real stars 
Yeah, well, I mean, again, it's going to be a case of who who gets in there at ten. Um, should yeah. Johnny Sexton uh, like the, the the at the moment what they're going to be looking at is playing Sexton and managing him, you know. Yeah, so yeah. the likes of Crowley again, we don't know who's going to get selected, but I mean, uh, you know, we're looking at Crowley and we're looking at Byrne and we're looking at these guys. The, the people who are going to step up at ten, Casey at nine uh, could get in there uh, and get some opportunity. Currently, he would be considered to be slightly behind James Gibson. Park and Murray at nine so those guys will get a chance I think the likes of Mac Hansen will get an opportunity on the wing to um, to show a bit of what they can do I think th- those are the types of people we look at and obviously our back rows um, Ken Doris and, and, and these guys could move on to be world stars on, on the back of this uh, uh, World Cup but I suppose for the most part um, it'll be the established players for Ireland you know the, the ones that we kind of have been seeing I don't imagine there's going to be too many surprise uh, drafts in that's going to be young uh, and, and make that impression I think the ones that we have are already quite young a lot of them but they're already very well established so I think that's the difference we, we actually are quite experienced so uh, I think it'll be good that way I think another team that'll be worth watching and looking at will be Fiji because oh, yeah. um They've moved up uh, in the world ranking to number ten, and they've they've started playing a bit of you know they're they're world renowned for their sevens ability, and they've started bringing a little bit of that type of game plan into uh, their regular game, and uh, you know I just think they'll be they'll, they'll definitely be exciting. They could be dark horses and do better as Japan yeah. did a few Japan, years ago yeah, in surprises. Yeah, Fiji might be that team. Yeah, I was just going to talk about Japan because they really lit up the last World Cup. They were fantastic. And uh, I don't know how they're going to do this year, but what's the latest on those? Yeah, they've they've dropped down a good bit since then, though. It yeah. has to be said. Um, they did have a particularly good squad at that time, and I suppose their motto was to just throw the ball around and uh, play and run from everywhere and have a go, which was wonderful to watch and really refreshing. But I think now teams are able to deal with that defences are so well organised and again they don't really have the physicality that's needed to play the game at the highest level so I think they'll be you know exciting to watch it'll be good good to see them in the games that they're in but I don't think they'll progress too much further than that to be honest with you so look overall it's going to be a hell of a World Cup there's like I said to you at the beginning of it, there's, there's probably five to six teams that could actually go and win this if you look at yeah. you know uh, you got Ireland New Zealand South Africa France um, there, there's four absolute contenders for winning it yeah. and then you'll, you can't rule out the likes of Australia uh, as being dark horses and England who knows they could get it all together and click they are former world champions they could get it together and click so now we're up at five and six teams that uh, could could make a go of this and that's not even including Scotland so um, and, and we didn't mention Wales because they're they're at a bit of a low place at the moment but to be fair they do always perform in World Cups but I think they'll have their work cut out to do that this year So, okay, it's time to turn our attention to football now. Delighted to be joined uh, by the one and only Alan Cawley. Morning, Al, how are you? I'm good, Reggie, how are you? Oh, never better, I tell you. It's hard to believe uh, we're there already, Premier season kicking off again. But uh, we'll get to that in a minute, just to quickly to round up on the uh, SSE, Artricity Premier Division. Uh, Rovers still remaining four points uh, in the lead this morning, but one all draw against Shelburne, late equaliser, leveller for Damien Duffsman. Yeah, they got caught with a sucker punch right at the end, uh, Reggie, and I was down in Talca Park and 
It's probably the best I've seen them play in a long while. In the first half, they were totally dominant, uh, passed the ball really well, took a deserved lead. And if anything, they probably could have extended that. But Damien Duff made two changes at half-time. That totally changed the dynamic of the game. Hakiki came on and they brought on Jack Moylan and just gave them a focal point up top because we're playing with six midfielders in the first half, which obviously didn't suit them at all. Uh, but once Jack came on and Hakiki, they put Jarvis, obviously was wide left, and Harry Wood got more involved in the game as well. And uh, It was all Shelburne in the second half without creating real clear-cut chances, but certainly they were the ones in the ascendancy with all the ball. And just as it, as it looked, as I suppose we entered the final stages, you're thinking, despite all the pressure, they're not going to score. And then obviously Gavin Malloy pops up with a late goal and um, delirious scenes in Talca Park and, and an absolute sucker punch for Shamrock Rovers. Yeah, and uh, tough one to take. And uh, But I suppose, if, if anything, their rivals didn't really make um, amends or, or, or take advantage of it, should I say. Pats and Bowes pulling out a, a nil-all draw. Yeah, and that was disappointing from their point of view. I only read reports on the game and saw a few highlights. By all accounts, it was a good game, Reggie. Uh, both teams had a goal, but no one could get that elusive goal to, to give them the three points and put pressure on Shamrock Rovers. It's still, as you were, obviously four points behind um, for, for uh, St. Pat's, five for both. So they'll still feel like they're certainly in the mix. But Derry are the ones who can capitalise, and they're playing Drada tomorrow. Obviously, they have their European exploits at the moment. But if they were to win tomorrow, that'll put pressure on Shamrock Rovers knowing that Derry are getting closer and they'll still have an extra game in hand as well so uh, I still think Derry are the ones that's going to push them all the way uh, that remains to be seen over the coming games but we're down to I think it's nine games left now Reggie and an interesting finish with still three or four teams in the mix Absolutely OK across the water now there's been plenty of speculation different things happening we're down to the business end of things uh, I was talking to Ken about it earlier on I as a, an Arsenal supporter I don't think I've felt more confident. I think it's the strongest squad we've had for many a year. Uh, Arteta in line to become one of the longest serving I think the fourth longest serving Premier Manager. Um, some good signings so uh, things looking not too bad for him in Arsenal point of view. Yeah, I'm with you Reggie. I think um, they have a really good opportunity. I watched Community Shield last week and they played really well obviously they've strengthened uh, the squad greatly. You think of Declan Rice and Havertz, I think he'll do well. I know he missed a few chances in the community shield, but I don't think that'll be the position that he'll play. Um, and I think he'll be a good sign in Timber as well. So they have strength and there's talk of maybe a goalkeeper coming in also. So I think Arteta is definitely going after that kind of two very good players for each position and strengthen the squad because they will be firing on all fronts. Man City obviously looked imperious last night, again getting off to a great start. But they have lost Gundogan and they have lost Mares. Mm. I think that's a lot of goals to lose out of the team and assists as well. So that remains to be seen how they go uh, trying to fill that void. They've obviously brought in Vardial, who's a brilliant defender. And they're a great team. We know that it's going to take a big a big push from Arsenal to overtake them. But I think they could do it this year, Reggie. And I also think the other three or four teams that are obviously um, familiar with the top six and who underperformed last year, I think they'll improve as well. And I think Liverpool's signings have been good. If they were to get to Sado, that would really strengthen them. On top of McAllister and Sabosoli, I think they'll be better. I think United will improve. I think Chelsea under Pochettino will definitely improve. Couldn't get much worse. So I think we're in for an interesting race, but I still think it'll probably be those two fighting it out. And I think Arsenal could shade it. Are Liverpool under the most pressure of all the teams, you think, this year? In particular, Jurgen Klopp. I mean, the performances haven't been great for the last while. And um, I think there's an expectancy there for them to deliver something better this year. Under the greatest pressure, I think no. the likes of Pochettino and certainly Ten Hag, because Liverpool have serious credit in the bank and Klopp, and obviously all that he's done and what he's won. So 
he has serious credit in the bank despite the disappointing season last year. But I think that was coming off the back of the unbelievable season they had before that and there was always going to be a bit of a hangover. They've obviously lost three or four senior players but I think he's brought in well with McAllister and Sabasali and if he was to get Casado, that would be an unbelievable midfield they would have then and obviously to have the firepower with Salah and Luis Diaz you'd expect better from Nunes. So I think Liverpool will be good this year, Reggie. Um, I think the pressure is on the likes of maybe Ten Hag, Pochettino because they need to get much closer. Obviously they're, they're a couple of years in the job now, Ten Hag, different for Pochettino he is but I think he's a good manager. So I'm expecting four or five teams to be to be doing well this year, if you like. What about Newcastle? Are they ones that could uh, push t- towards the title, you think, or are they not quite ready yet? I don't. I can't see them win the title, but I definitely think they might maintain the top six status. Obviously, they had a, a brilliant season last year and breaking into that and getting Champions League football as well on top of it. It'll be different this year because obviously they'll have more games in terms of the Champions League stuff as well that they have to contend with. And they haven't really gone out and bought megastars, if you like, but I think they've bought two good players in Tenali and also in uh, Harvey Barnes who strengthened the team. So I think they might maintain the top six, but they won't be winning any leagues. I saw you uh, tweeting about Burnley and the documentary. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Uh, what do you reckon of, of, of their chances? They're probably, uh, I mean, of doing well, not of winning it necessarily, but uh, they're, they're probably uh, mid-table steadies. You would think so, yeah, and they'd be delighted with that. That would be huge success if they were to establish themselves in the Premier League, and I think that's just the challenge for them, Reggie, because coming up from the Championship is a massive jump. I think out of the three that have come up, they have the best chance of staying up because of the manager and what he's done there, and you should watch the documentary. It's brilliant. Mm. I think Luton will go down a massive, massive challenge for them, and I think Sheffield United will go down. They have financial problems on top of the jump from the Championship, but I think Burnley are best equipped out of those three um, to finish maybe 15th, 16th, and that would be a massive season for them if they were to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, look, we spoke before about Harry Kane and the saga of Willie Wonty, what's going on. I mean, this morning it's been reported, even though it was earlier reported that they blocked him uh, doing his medical, but it was reported this morning that he went on a plane last night to go and do his medical in Bayern Munich. Uh, it's all starting to get a little bit, um, uh, I don't know, a bit like Neighbours or something, or so, some soap opera. Uh, it's done now, Reggie. It's been announced while you're on air from oh, the last hour. Yeah, it's done. He's gone. He said his thank yous. There's videos being released. He's he's in the Bayern Munich jersey. So okay. The, yeah, we've we've reached the end of that soap opera, unfortunately. And <laughs> I'm shocked. I can't believe he's gone. I really can't. Um, I thought with being so close to that premiership record of Shearer's goal scoring record that he would have hung on. And then maybe if he was to move, go somewhere in England and still chase down that and still with the possibility of winning the trophy by going to one of the top teams. But the fact that he's gone to Bayern, who are a brilliant club and shouldn't be disrespected, a massive club, but I just don't get it whatsoever to go at this stage of your career to go to Bayern, and potentially win a Bundesliga, which he will, because they win it every year. But nobody's going to look back in 20 years and think, well, he did win a Bundesliga. Nobody will really care about that. Hmm. Whereas if he was to break Scherer's record, so we're still talking about Scherer's record, and he's finished 15 years, as he's Scherer, 10 years. Hmm. So... I just think it's, um, I, I just can't get my head around it whatsoever, Reggie. I'd, I'd love to know and sit down with Harry Kane and know what he's thinking. If he was to win the Champions League, maybe, which he has the chance to do with Bayern Munich because they'll be in the mix, that's a different story. But to go over there and, and just to maybe win a Bundesliga, I don't get it. Yeah, that's a strange one, all right. Okay, just to finish your thoughts then, every City uh, are the obvious favourites, but you're you know, confident that Arsenal might push them? Yeah, I've gone for Arsenal. I've been asked this question three or four times this week and I've gone for Arsenal, so I've, I've hung my hat out, Reggie, and there we go. <laughs> Fair play to you. And uh, maybe the ones that are going to struggle most uh, this season? 
will be Luton, Sheffield United, and I think Wolves will be dragged right into that mire as well. Yeah, Wolves are, are, are struggling a bit. I, I don't know about Luton. I think they might be okay. Uh, but uh, Wolves, yeah, it's a strange one to see how far they've they've fallen away. Um, but, um, and turmoil with the manager leaving and all sorts, you know, days before the season. Yeah, yeah, it's always going to uh, happen that. Um, just a quick thought on the, the Women's World Cup, uh, how yeah. it's shaping up. Uh, brilliant, Reggie. I'm yeah. watching it here now with Context or Time, Australia, France, and I'm heading out the door. I'm doing England and Colombia at half 11, so uh, that should be a cracker as well. And don't be surprised if Colombia calls an upset. They're a serious team. Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock and Sport on Sunshine 106.8 from myself, Ken, and Reggie. Have a good weekend. <laughs>